I'm recording, Jamil. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> um, well, I guess we should. We're going to have to enter the show. So today is uh, Juneteenth. We're recording this. That's right. Juneteenth, a holiday that I did not know about until I got it off. And you got it off on, on Tuesday that you gave it off? I think so. It wasn't just me. Like a bunch of us all got notified at, like right around the same time, which was kind of hilarious. I don't know what memo went out to corporate America, but they oh, must have all gotten the same one. Cause well, we, I, I, yeah. I feel like corporate America is in a big moment of uh, overcompensation to all this. And so I did not get today off. And I don't, I don't mind actually that I had things to do. Anyway, um, on but Monday, just to you, correct, uh, correct the record, Monday is the day that I got all the messages that people were getting Juneteenth off. Monday, you got uh, Friday off. So Kamal Bell has uh, the tw- he did a tweet. I don't know if you saw this, but th- this pretty much describes how I feel about people's general excitement on social media about Juneteenth. He says. Uh, just so we're clear, white people, firing Aunt Jemima and giving us Juneteenth off are not the front lines of defeating white supremacy and dismantling structural and institutional racism. Better schools, a just criminal justice system, access to health care was more what we were thinking. <laughs> he put everything. That's, in case you're wondering how I'm feeling, <laughs> that's it right there. Everyone was in the mode of like, like a, having an official message. For COVID, didn't you get a message like from every brand that you'd ever interacted with sent you an email? It's like, we know these times are difficult. <laughs> the, the, the crisis. The Gap sent me a COVID-19 message and I was just like, what? <laughs> like I haven't, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't ordered from the Gap in forever, but they remembered me. I got it from every car company. Everybody has to, like, we know this is a difficult time and everything they're trying to do. So everyone is in, I, may, I think that may be part of it. Everyone is already in crisis mode. So they have the crisis team in place. And so like, this is a crisis. We need to respond. <laughs> Where's the, <laughs> we need a message. A message needs to go out. Right. And you know, what's funny. I think that all their PR teams were already like. Yeah. They're in a heightened, they're, yeah, they're in a heightened state. That's what I'm saying. They're all in this heightened state because COVID meant you had to be able to respond already. Everything is like, you know, you might be going, people are going out of business and, and, and laying off people. So your crisis team is in place. Johnny on the spot. It's like, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's this is not to belittle the Black Lives Matter movement, but it kind of felt like they just took the same email template they were using for COVID nineteen, and they just like swapped out Black Lives Matter with COVID nineteen, and and it just that that's I was just because I got saturated with messages on COVID nineteen, and then I got saturated with messages on Black Lives Matter, and I just kind of felt to myself. Before, I was just getting hit with COVID-19 messages. And now I get hit with COVID-19 messages and Black Lives Matter messages. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you know, is it how much of this is window dressing, quite frankly? I, I, I honestly think a lot of it is window dressing. I mean, Kamal's point is really valid. It's like, listen, this is hard work. You have to, like, redo the criminal justice system. The, the systemic racism is not like a, hey, crisis PR team, we're going to solve systemic racism because no, no, they're not. <laughs> sure i saw black lives matter on walmart today which i just was shocked and some of these some of these companies have no connection like how do you support the like if you really 
like literally the least you could do is put words out. That's literally the least you could do is put words on a website. Like, I mean, I guess you could, I mean, <laughs> there are worse things clearly, but, but the, the least involved in actual helping and being an ally is, is put words on a website. In particular, if you're someone that like a Walmart that has employees, it's like, well, what are you doing? What is what are you doing with diversity? What are your numbers? What are the new initiatives that you're taking on to increase diversity um, and break down systemic racism that you're uh, frankly a part of? One of the things I found interesting is I don't know if you saw that a couple of companies decided to halt using facial recognition. I heard about that. And it, 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 it was, this is, this was interesting because this, if actual change happens, this isn't, that's not window dressing to improve the way um, facial recognition and to set real rules about how it's used. Like there's no regulation right now. Like Amazon, Bezos bought the doorbell company. And so they get, they turn that over to law, law enforcement. So that basically all your ring doorbells are <laughs> a vast network of, of, of video surveillance and you throw in like really crappy facial recognition, it targets people of color in a very scary way. So if they actually did something, uh, Microsoft said they weren't going to do it. Amazon said they were going to pause a year. The cynical part of me thinks it's op- opportunistic that they're, they know it's a, it's a time to, that they can manipulate parts of the conversation about how this stuff eventually gets implemented because there's lots of active lobbying and legislation to how this, how, how the technology is going to be used. And these things have real, real impact. One of my, you know, one of my biggest concerns is algorithms and like how ultimately once you bake an algorithm into criminal justice that has bias in it, like you're screwed. No one knows what's behind the, the algorithm. There's no like governmental oversight and there's also no ethical. I, I don't believe at all in any ethical impulse of any technology company to do the right thing. I don't know a lot about what they're saying that they're going to do about facial recognition. I know what I know about facial recognition is that, <laughs> quite frankly, the databases that they are using to improve that technology are full of white people. So that's why it's not performing very well for people who are not paler in color because uh, there's just less data. Right. It's actually quite mathematical and it makes a ton of sense. That's why it doesn't necessarily work well for Asian people either, you know, because it just depends on how many photos they were able to get. Right. Yeah, well, and, you know, the other twisted part about it is so to, to recognize people, they use mostly white faces. But then when they put in data about black faces, they end up using if you're going to look for in criminal justice because of mass incarceration you over index on the black faces and the and black faces that are used and so if you're looking for you end up having lots of prisoner data that's why they some of those things some of the algorithms like identified a bunch of people in congress as criminals because they can't they can't read a they can't read it because they taught it badly with a bunch of white faces and then they part of the training just involves bad data the training data, exactly. And that's one thing that maybe we should tell our listeners, because if you are, if you don't work in technology, if you're just like an, a person, and by the way, a lot of people don't work in technology. So, you know, if you're just like a person in the world, you might not understand how algorithms work and how these things are created. And algorithms, and again, I am not an engineer, but I have, you know, done some, you know, research and study on the subject. And basically, you know, to dumb it down, algorithms are created by a person creating them, 
So the person creating them actually is very impactful in, in this. Like who, whoever that person is and where they came from really impacts how they create the algorithm. And then secondarily, they use what is known as training data to train the algorithm. And the training data that that person who creates the algorithm has access to, it's limited. You know, that person is going to be able to access public data sets and they're going to try to get as much data as they can. But there are certain pieces of data that are less public and less accessible. So your algorithm is only as good as A, the person creating it and B, the data it's trained on. If both of those things are, are not right in some way, you wind up with a very faulty algorithm. The diversity problem in tech is what makes me even concerned about most algorithm work. It's like it already indexes to a very specific population for the people doing the algorithm. So the person doing it has their own biases because we all have biases. And so we have uh, a mostly white male group creating algorithms. So it's, it's going to have, it's, if you're not actively looking to counteract that, it's going to have biases, period. And then you have the data sets that are available. And I think I, I had, I think someone, where was I? Is it an AI conference at some point? I do work in tech as an engineer. So, but, but your explanation was, was fantastic to explain it. At the conference I was at, they were saying that most, it's like 90, it was like over 90% of most image data is not public. And so you can't possibly train something what you are training someone on is you're at a disadvantage automatically about how you train it because you don't have the data. And there's no way to get better. Like often there's not a good way to get better at it. I recommend a book, uh, Weapons of Math Destruction, which is which will, will make you very, very sad. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's an awesome book. I think the final word on it is that changes like that are not window dressing. And if those changes get done, I've seen a couple of companies who really can have an impact. That's actually all I want to care. I care about the folks that actually can have systemic impact and have done things. It's like, I don't care about <laughs> gaps, putting up Amazon's big black lives matter thing. Unless they're trying to pay their workers a, a correct wage and combat some of the other things they're actually involved in that are part of the system, then um, I don't want to hear from them. But uh, you know, if we can get real change in some underlying systems, then that's, that's positive change. So Juneteenth, my takeaway for Juneteenth is I didn't know what this holiday was. Now I do. There is a movement. Now, according to my newsfeed, there is a movement where celebrities are like, yes, make this a holiday, which don't get me wrong, I think is great. On the other hand, I have mixed feelings about what's coming in my newsfeed lately because I feel like Black Lives Matter is just a trending topic, and I wonder when it won't be trending anymore. And I know that sounds terrible. No, I think that's, that's legitimate. I mean, that's what I, my biggest fear is I have a heavy anxiety that it's jarring for me to for people to be very concerned about something that you've been experiencing your whole life and that they ignored like, just like recently. <laughs> so and I asked my dad if this is about fundamental change. And he says, come back and talk to me in 60 days. But that is when you see all of everything in your, in your, your, in your feed, the idea that this might just be a passing thing is a, for me is a scary thing. <laughs> that this is just a moment and that it, it, the real change from it and the real 
the investment people have is like, well, is it going to last? Or is this just like, is this the water bucket challenge of, of 2020? <laughs> exactly. Which apparently was like not really a thing because the money didn't go to ALS or something. <laughs> yeah. Like there's so much that, that trends on Twitter and social media. I mean, we're, we're in, we're in a society where like our lives are dictated based on what's trending. And for a while it was COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and rightly so. Then it became about the, the, what is the word? <laughs> just the terribleness of George Floyd. There's just no word I can think of that encompasses that. Uh, and then along with the very racial comments of Amy Cooper, which is just, I wish I, I, I just wish that never existed. Uh, so then you fast forward to the protest. Then you fast forward to the rioting and the looting and the destruction. And then you fast forward to getting Juneteenth as a holiday. And I think that I had this conversation multiple times recently. I remember Rodney King. I'm old enough to remember Rodney King. And um, when that video was released. I was young, uh, but I remember when the trial came back and all four officers were acquitted and then LA burned and there was no social media, there was no internet, but the television was just on Los Angeles. I mean, at the time, I just kept changing the channel, like going, oh, okay, what does Channel 5 have that Channel 4 doesn't have? That's just my head. And, and, and so... What I'm trying to get at is I have seen this movie. I have seen this story. I have seen it play out so many times now in my lifetime that I really think that it is time for us to write a new ending to this story because this story is tired. This story is weak. This story is sad. This story is littered with bad actors. And this story needs a better ending. So, you know, that's what I was trying to get at. I think we need a new ending. Clearly, it took us a while to release this episode, but I'm kind of glad uh, it did because uh, with time having passed, it's interesting to think about uh, the window dressing that happened in the heat of the moment then uh, and the real change that happened then and still needs to happen. Now, During that time, uh, people asked my father, who was a civil rights lawyer, uh, was this moment different? And his answer was, always ask me in 60 days. So we're about 60 days removed from Juneteenth. So the question I ask myself is, does this moment feel like real change? And I'm conflicted. I don't know. I know people like Michelle and I are still having conversations, connecting people, creating opportunities, bending to what we believe is a more equitable planet and social justice. And I continue to connect with like-minded people a lot more than I ever have in my life. But I, I honestly don't know about the country. For now, I'm gonna concentrate on the positive. And that's what we want this podcast to be about, you know, because it's so easy to find bad news. We're going to concentrate on making sure we get that better ending that Michelle was talking about. So um, anyway, I, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us so far. We've got more to say. Uh, you can always reach me on Twitter at Comedy Techie. And you can also reach me on Twitter at Michelle M.C.H.U. <laughs>